listening to the Mindful Biz Podcast. I'm Alison Morgan, business coach at Relauncher. Corporate litigator turned entrepreneur Lauren Lee joins us in this podcast episode. She traded her life as a lawyer in Brisbane to share Korea's best skincare secrets with the world. After discovering K-beauty products by chance, Lauren started a side hustle selling K-beauty brands within Australia. Demand for these K-beauty products boomed and in 2014 she launched Style Story, Australia's first e-commerce Korean beauty platform. As Style Story continued to flourish, Lauren packed up and moved to Seoul, devoting her time to bringing the best in K-beauty to Australia. After a decade in the industry, Lauren began Jelly Co, a fun, functional K-beauty brand of her own. Hi Lauren, thank you so much for joining us here today. How are you? Good and very happy to be here. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's going to be a fabulous episode because I've been dying to hear more about your business and your brand. So before we kick into the business aspect of it, I'd love you just to introduce yourself to everyone. Yes. So my name is Lauren Lee. I am a K-beauty expert, a host of the Korean Beauty Show podcast, and I am the founder of K-beauty brand Jellico. And how long ago did you start your business? So I started my first business, uh, which is an online K-beauty store that I still run, actually. Uh, That business is called Style Story. We started in, we went online in 2014. So it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, And we launched Jellico, which is actually our in-house brand in 2020. Wow. And what was the inspiration behind firstly starting that original brand? So the reason I started my uh, my online store all the way back in 2014 was that I had discovered Korean skincare and cosmetics when I was on a university exchange, actually, all the way back in 2011. So I went on exchange for a semester to a uni in Seoul in South Korea. And while I was there, I obviously ran out of all the skincare that I'd taken with me and sort of went shopping for replacements and literally fell down this rabbit hole of like hundreds of brands, products and things like that, that I'd never heard of. So I started bringing them back to Australia for friends and family. Uh, And to cut a really long story short, everyone that I gave products to for Christmas when I got back came and found me a few months later and they were like, I'm going to need some more of this. Like, where can we get it? Uh, And we couldn't. What's so good about the products? Uh, look, I mean, the, the beauty industry has grown uh, a lot bigger in the in the meantime, but the one th- there's a couple of things that really stand out about K-Beauty. The first thing is that they took what was historically a chore, which was doing your skincare, not that fun, not very sexy, and they made it cool. The products were all so whimsically designed. They were innovative, creative, the names, the formulas, Uh, It just wasn't like anything that existed on the market at the time, Uh, and they were so much cheaper than comparable Western Mm -hmm. beauty products. Mm -hmm. They were maybe a fifth of the price, but the quality was just as good as the luxury brands and what brands were doing at a much higher end of the market. Mm. Uh, And these days, of course, a lot of Western beauty brands now manufacture their products in Korea as well. It's become sort of a global manufacturing hub for beauty. 
Yeah, right. uh, so yeah, and obviously it's gone mainstream in the meantime. There's premium beauty brands all around the world, but at that time it was very, very different. Yeah, yeah. and and at the time you were working for a law, law firm, correct? <laughs> That's right. So I did the last semester of my law degree in uh, Korea in 2011, came back to Australia and started working as a junior lawyer in 2012 uh, in Brisbane. Uh, so I set up my business as just a little bit of a hobby on the side, a side hustle really um, in 2014. Uh, and that was on the, uh, the suggestion of a colleague of mine. She was like, you are getting products for half the office at this point. Like people were coming in, writing down their order on a piece of paper <laughs> and like, I need you to get me this BB cream, this, you know, whatever it was. And I'd be like, okay, cool. I'd get everyone's orders together and go mm-hmm. off and sort of put it together. And one of my one of my colleagues, she was like, you should just set up a business doing this. And I thought, well, that's a bit silly. So I ignored her advice for about a year and then after a while I was like all right let's make it a little bit more professional Uh, so that's how it started and so did you do you did that while you're working correct yep I did um and you know everyone everyone knew about it I had the partners at the law firm would come in and place their Christmas orders for their wives and things like that the secretaries would come in and order a new face cream or whatnot I had all the product at home I didn't sort of set up the store in the office but yeah they were they were pretty supportive yeah so so (laughs) at what point did you decide to leave that and take this on full-time so what happened was our firm, which was uh, one of the it still is one of the biggest firms in Australia, merged with uh, a a global firm, and basically the firm network expanded a lot. So we had offices in all these different countries, uh, and early in the 2010s, they opened a new office in Seoul in South Korea, and they were looking for a junior lawyer with my specialty to go over and work in the office. Uh, so my boss put my name forward for that and I moved back to Seoul in 2016. So I worked in the office in Seoul for three years uh, and in the meantime the business was sort of growing as well. So I kind of had to make a choice. Uh, My health wasn't the best (laughs) working full-time as a lawyer and running a side business Uh, and so I kind of made made a choice and went in full-time on the business in 2018. Mm, I bet you never look back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a good choice. Yeah. So tell us about Jellico. Yeah. So Jellico, like I mentioned before, uh, started off as Style Stories in-house brand. Uh, but basically the idea for doing our own line had been percolating for quite a while. Uh, people would ask me, you know, are you interested in making your own, you know, line or something like that? And, you know, having tried literally tens of thousands of Korean beauty products, working with so many people in the industry, I sort of got to know exactly what the pitfalls were, the parts of, you know, K-beauty, the Korean beauty routine that people really struggled with, and then what parts they really loved about it. So my idea was basically to do a couple of things. I wanted to take out the confusing aspects of it and just create multifunctional products that gave the results that people were looking for, that people loved, but without all these steps. Mm. Because the 
steps and this idea of there being a million different steps of the Korean beauty routine was something that really, really confused people and gave them a lack of confidence when it came to purchasing. Um, and there was a couple of other things that I'd noticed. One was that, you know, the beauty industry in general really pushes a lot of harsh active ingredients on people, things like retinol, um, chemical exfoliants, acids, and all of these things. And a lot of the people that I talked to uh, through Running Style Story had pretty bad uh, skin damage issues like overexfoliation, redness, flaking, dryness, peeling. So I wanted to create a collection that people could use that wouldn't have any of those kind of side effects and that they could actually use if they were using these you know, stronger products to sort of counteract some of those um, unwanted, I guess, um, you know, symptoms and things like that so that's basically what we went away and did we teamed up with um some uh, of our favorite korean um cosmetic chemists over here and came up with a collection that would be perfect well for our customers firstly but also for other people as well yeah and what, what products are in the range so at the moment we have four products and two accessories uh, and we're about to launch our fifth product next month so we've got our bubble tea steam cream which was our very first product uh, it's a moisturizer that we took inspiration from the drink bubble tea and we decided to make basically a hydrating drink for your face yeah. uh, that looks and smells like bubble tea yeah. the second product was our sleeping mask which is an overnight face mask that works on your skin while you're asleep so that you wake up to glowing hydrated dewy skin the next morning uh, the third product we released was our dewy glaze toner uh, and that is a toner but it's a, quite different from other products on the market because it's a hydrating style toner that preps the skin basically from the first step after cleansing. Uh, so it sort of leaves your skin dewy and glowing from the toning step, which is a little bit different. Uh, and then our fourth product was our Cinnamon Toast Sugar Scrub Foam. Ooh, which I love is, that. <laughs> yeah, it's a two-in-one product. It's a cleanser and exfoliator uh, with uh, sugar um granules that melt as you use it and it smells like cinnamon toast so a little bit of a treat for the skin <laughs> and our new release is our lip mask um, which will be coming out next month right and with that range are you just selling it within your website or do you have stockists yes we do so we started off just selling it um, on our website in March last year we started mm -hmm. selling it um, at Woolworths on their online um, portal so all of our products are available at woolworths.com.au and we got our first offline stockist and stockist in the states at the end of last year uh, so that is a store called C.O. Bigelow in New York City it's actually the oldest apothecary in America they're wow. on 6th Avenue and then they also sell our products online on yeah their store. how did they find you um well we we sort of said to them that we were interested in going in store and they obviously asked to see the products and as soon as they saw them they were just like yeah <laughs> so they took the products in uh and yeah it's really interesting to see the difference in what sells in Australia versus New York so the the, yeah. the moisturizer is the number one in both countries, uh, but they love the cinnamon toast sugar scrub. That's the second um, highest seller in, in the States, whereas in Australia it's the toner. Uh, so a little bit of a differentiation yeah. there with yeah. what people use in the different climates. Um, yeah, right. But, yeah, 
Wow. And has has getting um uh having stockists over there helped you get other stockists on board? So that's something that we're really uh, keen to bring on uh, yeah. as many new stockists as we can, particularly in the States. Uh, the difference there is being a much uh, bigger market. So I think Australia is the market that we're more well-known in for the time being. Mm-hmm. So that's something that is really a focus for us this year is to try and increase our visibility in yeah. the market in America so that we can get into some bigger offline retailers over yeah. there. Yeah, that's our focus for 2020. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, have you had many challenges throughout this journey? Oh, so many. Always. <laughs> yeah. Always. Yeah, the pandemic definitely did not help. Um, oh we had God. a lot of, um, uh, you know, issues with the supply chains. That was really, really difficult. Uh, a lack of, you know, boats. Uh, ever, the cost of everything just shot yeah. straight up. Uh, so that was really challenging as well. I mean, we had some benefits because 2020 was our best year financially, but then, you know, the flow-on effects of that, um, I think that was just a tough a tough time for everybody. So, right. yeah, navigating yeah. the pandemic was not fun, uh, but now that we've made it out on the other side, I think we kind of know the direction we want to go in. We know the big pitfalls. Yeah. Um, kind of to avoid and uh, just want to keep like a really tight control on our inventory where everything is and give ourselves enough lead time with everything so that we don't end up running out of stock in the wrong country. Yeah, Um, that that was very stressful for so many different companies. Literally the demand was there but they had no stock. Yeah, so we we had a few hiccups with that as well, sending too much product to one country and then the other country runs out, so we have to do another manufacturing run. Uh, That's a little bit hard to predict, especially when you're first starting out, Uh, you know, like how much is going to sell in a particular place. So we have had that uh, little hiccups like that, Um, but I think that's just you know there's not much you can do about that when it's a new market you're not not familiar with the market how much people are gonna gonna buy or not gonna buy so yeah that's 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 a tricky one I think that will still continue to be a little bit tricky going forward as well well you just put it down to the learning curve that we all have to go through you know so yeah I'm totally yeah luckily we're working with um you know good manufacturers uh as well that's another thing that I, I've learned over the years, not just for our own brand, but other brands that I've worked with. I've had an opportunity to work now with a wide variety of different uh, manufacturers here in Korea, and they're not all as understanding and they're not all as, I yeah. guess, willing to work with a startup as well. Uh, it's a very male-dominated industry, interestingly right. enough, in Korea, whereas beauty in general tends to be female in other places. Uh, so we've had, we've had some unfortunate circumstances I guess you know a bit of clashing heads and things like that they don't like taking instructions and directions from a woman really <laughs> yeah so I've I've had to we've we, we've had a like a souring of relationships uh, with one of the people that we started out with um I, just because I sort of intervened when um someone was talking down to one of my female members of staff and giving her really bad anxiety to the point that she didn't want to pick up the phone when he was calling because she was scared about, you know, the dressing down. And it was just like, 
a reversal of roles. Like we're yeah. the customer and client, but, you know, we're, we're getting the crappy treatment. Uh, and so I sort of stepped in and was just like, don't talk to my staff like that. And that went down like a lead balloon. Right. So, <laughs> so are you still working with them or have you found replacement? No, no yeah. not anymore. I just sort of thought don't need that. But no. it's hard when you're starting out because there's a lot of people that won't give you the time of day. That's right. They don't want to deal with someone that's new. They don't want to deal with a new brand. Mm. Uh, you know, they want guaranteed. And, you know, this is the other, I guess, side of Korea being a really popular destination now for all these brands is they kind of have their pick of who they want to take. So obviously they prefer to work with multinationals and, you know, bigger brands that can, you know, you know, uh, turn out a whole heap of product, which I get, I get it. It's a business. That's one of the the tricky things we've had to navigate. Yeah. How many people are in your team? So here in Korea, we have three, including me, and then we have uh, in Australia as well, we have three team members and we have uh, a warehouse in the States, a warehouse in Sydney, and then we also have a warehouse here. In, in right. Are you doing much travel? Uh, look, throughout the pandemic, no travel at all, obviously. Um, the first, Well, no. That's not entirely true. No travel back to Australia because yeah. they locked the borders. So I actually went to Australia for the first time since 2019, just a wow. few months ago. Yeah, so that was kind of crazy. But um, America, a little bit more just because they kept the border open mm. between Korea and Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so I think it will be back to normal now that the borders are back open. But that was another really frustrating kind of. Oh, tell me about part. it. <laughs> yeah. oh, not being able to see works. people face to face and talk to team members and all of that sort of thing yeah. yeah yeah absolutely oh my gosh so what in terms of like forecasting for the next you know six to nine months what are yes. you most excited about so uh our lip mask launch next month is really something that I'm very excited about we've mm. got a launch party planned for that for here in Korea in June and then another one in Australia in August right uh, which will be the first time we've ever been able to do any kind of launch yeah. event <laughs> since we where, launched the brand where in Australia are you launching so we're going to do it in Brisbane which is okay. where I'm from yes yeah. because they don't, they don't get a lot of love no, all they the don't. time a lot of the launches happen in Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. So I'm going to do it in Brisbane because I'm a Brissy girl. Uh, yeah, so, again, first time that we've ever been able to do anything since we started the brand in 2020, which is kind of crazy. You know what, though? Sometimes it is good to wait, you know, because then more people know about the brand and then, and then the launch can be more successful. That's Especially definitely bigger. Yeah. 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 Yes, look, fingers crossed, but that's exciting. We've got two more products coming in the pipeline after that as well. So hopefully that will be good. And then we are kicking off a really big uh, media push in the States actually next month as well. Uh, So that's going to keep us pretty busy, I think, for the next six months. And that's just because we really do want to increase our – I guess, positioning in the market yeah, and just so people know about us. Because yeah. um, America and Australia, you know, culturally not that different, but in terms of how many people you need to, you know, I guess how many eyes you need to get in front of to make a dent, it's just worlds apart. So yeah. <laughs> a whole yeah. different level. <laughs> yeah, wow. 
Yeah. How fabulous. How long have you been living in Korea for? Like so since, since 2016. Yeah, right. So right at the beginning. And you've lived there the whole time, have you? Yes. Yep, yep, yep. So I used to go back and forward to Australia probably three or four times a year yep. up until the pandemic. And then obviously all bets were off. No travel, no planes. Uh, but now that it's opened back up, I think I'll be I'll be going back yeah. a little bit. How long's the flight? Uh, look, it is 10 hours direct to Brisbane from Seoul and I think it's prob- probably about the same from Sydney. So it's not yeah. too bad in yeah. the scheme of, you know, Australia to anywhere else. Yeah. And we're only one hour behind um, with a time zone. So there's yeah, no, right. like, jet lag or anything like that. So it's actually pretty manageable, pretty yeah. doable. Yeah. Um, yeah, just need those planes going. <laughs> they are. They are. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Okay, so where can everyone find you? So lots of different places. So uh, I hang out on Instagram at lauren.kbeauty. You can hear, if you're interested to learn more about Korean beauty specifically, the Korean beauty show is my podcast. Uh, Jellyco, we are at jellyco.com. That's co with a K-O for Korea. Um, And uh, stylestory.com.au is my other business. Multi-layered. Lot. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, they, they all feed each other. Do they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like a giant big ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how you do it? Awesome. All right, Lauren. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me.